This is Magic City Soccer. Es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica. This is Magic City Soccer. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. Let's go, Miami FC. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer. Vamos, Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer, your home for everything you need to know about soccer in Miami-Dade County. Hello, soccer fans in South Florida and beyond, and welcome to our show. We are recording on International Podcast Day, I believe. It's uh, September 30th, 2019. Maybe later when you're listening. Won't be earlier for sure. Uh, I'm Matthew Bunch. Happy to be, happy to be joined alongside tonight uh, by Drew Hausman. Drew, how you doing, buddy? Hey, we're back. And another fake holiday, but I'll take it. Yeah, you know, we'll take all the fake holidays we can get in advance of uh, wonderful, wonderful podcasts. Uh <laughs> So, uh, we have uh, some areas of discussion tonight. It's been two weeks since we last talked here on uh, Magic City Soccer. And since then, uh, your Miami FC are 3-0. and uh, Three victories in the NISA Showcase. Two coming at home. One against Philly Fury. We'll talk more about that in a second. Mm. Uh, and two against Stumptown Athletic. One at Buccaneer Field and one in Matthews, North Carolina. Um, an exciting start. Exactly the kind of start that Miami FC... Um, would want um, that uh, again that first victory against uh, Philly uh, beat him so bad it knocked him out of the competition drew yeah uh, what was it uh, I believe the score was eight to one uh, it was just complete dominance I think it was scoreless in the 20 minutes that it started and kind of once Miami got the, to feel around the field and get it going it just came in uh, ridiculous waves but uh, I mean, it's a shame to see them fold. I think what eventually the league did was give everybody an assumed victory and a plus three goal differential for uh, the games that were unplayed with Philadelphia. Yeah, but, uh, standard rule on a forfeit is is a three nil victory. Um, although I'm sure the other teams in the Eastern side uh, maybe would were, were licking their chops at the chance to play Philly. Yeah, I think. Uh, well. I, the weird thing is Stumptown played them and won only 3-1, to one, so uh, maybe it ended up being a little better for them. Who knows? Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, we'll talk about that in a little. I guess we'll get into some Nisa stuff. But, uh, yeah, Miami Miami just crushed those guys. It was, it was kind of sad. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I, you know, uh, Lee Evans and I were on the call um, for the, the Nisa opener, and Philly really did have a, a, a strategy that they deployed, and it was rather effective uh, in the first half, it was not a. It did not look like it was going to be an eight-one game um, going into halftime. It was in the second half where Miami FC's fitness, Miami FC's quality and depth really shone through. And you know, we joke, but in reality, there are other reasons why a club like Philadelphia Fury would want to take a couple more months and kind of get their ducks uh, in a row, get their their puzzle pieces in order uh, before hopefully relaunching next year with Nisa. Um, they 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 just they they couldn't hack it. Uh, simply put, it, over ninety minutes, they could not uh, stay at that level that that Miami FC uh, was putting out. In, in contrast, um, Stumptown Athletic, I, I feel, did themselves uh, even though they get zero points out of the two games, uh, did themselves very well in their two games against Miami FC. Both games, I thought, were probably the most competitive fixtures that Miami FC has had uh, really in, you could almost say, years. I mean, maybe minus the uh, 
the the NA, the NPSL final um, a couple of months ago. Yeah, and I mean, well, the first game at Barry was two to one. It was kind of unexpected. I mean, I think they put together a really good team there, and uh, they held their own. And then the second game uh, over at whatever soccer complex they play at in the Carolinas, <laughs> Miami came through two nothing. So um, compared to that first game, it was a little bit of shocker. But also as a Miami FC fan, it's kind of uh, relieving to be kind of nervous and tense filled and say hey uh you know this is this is a legit team and now we're back into the full swing of competition um i did get that wrong earlier uh it was i uh atlanta beat philly uh and stumptown beat atlanta on their first game three one so correct yes yeah i would have i would have punched myself in the face uh if I was listening to this <laughs> podcast, <laughs> <laughs> it happens uh, live, semi-live radio, yeah. uh, live to tape, uh, filmed in front of a live studio audience. Um, anyway, yeah, that was the the Philly game. You know, the reaction really during and after it. Uh, m- me and Lee kind of chatting is, here we go again. You know, uh, Miami is moving up a level, moving into a, a, a professional environment. Um, against teams and, and you're expecting more competition and it looked as though it was a, a storm fc match um you know where they were busting down from fort lauderdale and, and taking a taking a seven nothing taking an eight one that Stumptown match it does i drew i think you kind of really nailed it the idea of feeling kind of alive again you know the 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 nerves the tension the hope that you're gonna see it through but not being certain about it it adds a degree of fun to the game that, you you know, a blowout is always fun. Seeing players, you know, blast in crazy goals and, and, and Mark, you know, Mark Pace never really having to fret much about anything he needs to do. Uh, that's fun in its own way. But sports is meant to be competitive. And, and you know, the, the club has argued since NASL uh, that they want competitive fixtures. They want to be in a league. They want to be with teams that offer real competition and, and and will bring the best out of its players. And I think in that, especially that match at home against Stumptown, that was the first time that this club really had to dig down and pull something out, something, something truly competitive, something where they really had to elevate their level of play uh, and deliver. And they did, and, and they did. And, and all three times they've been asked to answer the bell, they've done it this year. Uh, in, in this NISA showcase and you know whether it's the goal we saw in North Carolina from Dylan Morris, uh last weekend uh, you know whether it's the kind of team build-up leading to goals as we saw the weekend before uh, it's good to see that this team you know overseen by Paul Dougleish can can take a hit and keep on ticking yeah, it makes me think of that, uh, what's that hacky phrase, uh, slot machine's not fun if you win every time? <laughs> this is true, although, you know, yeah. that, that, that'd still be pretty fun. <laughs> you know, it's like blowout fun. It's yeah. not like, uh, you know, make you sweat fun, but it's, it'd be blowout fun. But I, I think, uh, I guess the, uh, hmm, the Stumptown games kind of reminded me of the Miami FC playoff game against Chattanooga. Because I feel like that's probably been the the toughest competition outside the Cosmos, but that one was also at Barry. So seeing those two games at Barry, I kind of got a similar vibe, and I was like, oh, okay, com- competitive fixture, you know? Yeah, 
yeah, it was it was really great, and 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 seeing this this as I mentioned this elevation of play into this third division now um, in this fall competition, be, being able to see certain players with uh, particularly with an emphasis on Dylan Myers or Dylan Myers, uh, however you choose to say it, Queso Blanco, Blanco forever. Yeah. <laughs> um, his play is elevated, and seeing these guys being able to elevate their their quality and really show off against higher competition is really special. That goal that he scored um, the other night against Stumptown away in North Carolina was uh, really special. And I, I recommend you check out, we'll uh, retweet it uh, from Mike Kuju. There were some live streaming issues out of North Carolina, um, but the game was put up in full uh, on Mike Kuju, Um And it was an absolute rocket with his left foot. Um, you know, our, our friend Kartik Krishnayer is keen of saying that... Uh, you know, uh, Dylan Myers is the the best player in American soccer at this level of competition. You know, speaking of fourth division uh, in the spring, and now that we've moved up to third division, Drew, I don't see any reason to believe that that has changed at all. His quality, his leadership uh, skills, everything he brings to the table is just so important to this club. Yeah, I, I can't I can't argue with that statement, and he's been a staple for years. So uh, it's good good to see him continue on as the captain. Um, to slide it into Nisa, though, it looks like we are going to uh, end up playing Stumptown in the playoffs. No, I, I don't put too much uh, investment in Atlanta here. Uh, I think they're playing next weekend in Miami on Sunday. Yes, I believe so. But here's my question. The, the East Coast Championship is to be determined still on Saturday, uh, November 16th. Would you rather have it here or be a gentleman and let it be in Stumptown? to help kind of boost their team. Because originally it was in Philadelphia. Now that's out of the picture. Yes. And Miami, okay. we keep getting to the championship and winning them, but we haven't had one at home. <laughs> I'm, I'm I, conflicted here where I was like, ah, I want to see I'm it, not, but... I think I'm not in the business of doing any favors. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the business of getting what's owed to me. And uh, this, I, I do feel like this club is... If they continue on this pace, of course... Uh, you know, if they if they dump the match at home Sunday night against Atlanta, that changes the conversation entirely. But yeah, if, if Miami FC you know runs through these two games with Atlanta, um, you know, and then continues to perform uh, in its matchup against Oakland Roots, that will be at uh, Ricardo Silva Stadium. Uh, yeah, I don't see why not hosting it here. That that that'd be fun. You know, the last time we saw any sort of home competition uh, like that. Uh, it was the NASL semifinals mm-hmm. against New York Cosmos, and that left a bad taste in everyone's mouth. <laughs> so, getting getting a second bite at that apple would be uh, very welcome. You know, getting a chance to win something at home in front of Dade Brigade in front in front of the home crowd. Now, do you think the league will take my other proposal of just giving it to Stumptown to kind of help them promote a newfound team? Um, I I don't think that'd be the worst idea I've ever heard. Um, you know, being able to incorporate different locations. North Carolina has a, a history of supporting, you know, lower level soccer, of supporting different, you know, men's and women's soccer. Um, they might be looking for an area like that where they feel like they could draw a crowd for a game like this. Um, that's totally possible. Um, they could be looking at, well, North Carolina is where it is on the map. Miami is where it is on the map. Atlanta's in the middle. Why not put it there? Um, so I, I don't know. Uh, it, it, 
interesting deliberations that need to be had uh, at the, at the association level, uh, at the league level. Um, obviously, the Philadelphia decision threw a big old wrench in all this. Uh, yeah. they, they, had, they had been hoping to have it at Philly. And as we talked about on the previous episode of the podcast, there was a lot to like about what Philly had done uh, in terms of their uh, kind of front office organization, their integration into uh, UPenn's ticket uh, system, kind of uh, bringing it closer to uh, the students there and the community there. So that kind of being uh, upended, I- I'm sure, uh, is an unwelcome development in the front office of the, of the association. Um, but yeah, there are still a few options available here. Um, I-, I feel like any city they pick, uh, there there are benefits to be had. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, the, if they just threw in Atlanta, I wouldn't be surprised either. Because I think for one of their home games, they had like under two hundred people, or it was it was a weird number. But you now it's a it's a league in development, and uh, I th- I think the situation in Philly, uh, what happened was one of their owners backed out or something like that, mm-hmm. or uh, their one of their primary investors. So hopefully they'll be back in the league. But uh, ooh. <laughs> that's it's a rough uh, rough start for that we we have seen i mean lord knows seeing soccer uh, lower level soccer and its functions in america these last few years if you followed along the miami fc journey um unless you have a billionaire at the helm uh it can be pretty tricky um miami fc is has been uh kind of unshakable though the rest of the world around it continues to shake like a bowl of jello. Um, everything else is unstable. Uh, Miami FC has attempted to navigate in this this stormy sea. Uh, but it's tough. Uh, it, it's it's If you're interested in investing in soccer in the United States, or really, any in fairness, in any sport in the United States that's not Major League Football, I mean, the National Football League, the National Basketball Association, or maybe Major League Baseball. If you're putting money anywhere else, there is risk to be had. Either because the asset value is priced so high that your likely return on investment, even when you sell, is it could be limited. You know, are you getting in at a bubble? Are you getting in at the top of the market? Or if you're looking for value in in things like lower level soccer, which I think there is there to be had because those are not assets that have appreciated uh, so much. Uh, but it is high risk, high reward. And I know I'm bogging this down into an economics discussion. I don't mean to do that. But I do think these are important points to consider when we look at these teams. Uh, you know, you're trying to cobble together an ownership uh, group that'll make it work. And, you know, if you got big, big money, you maybe want to just park it in an NFL team or an MLS team. You know, pay the expansion fee uh, and, you know, have an asset that, okay, it's not going to grow it. 20 30 40 percent each year but it'll have probably stable appreciation you know if you're investing in lower level soccer you are you're hoping to light the flame that has not been lit yet you know an independent functional lower level soccer league you can make it work there's a lot of money and a lot of potential there but you you are trying to invent you know nuclear fusion you know you're trying to do something that has not been done before if you can do it congratulations here's a big old bag of money with a dollar sign on it but it's it's going to be really hard and odds are you aren't going to be the one to do it 
Yeah, I think my my biggest complaint that I've said before and what I think is happening in a lot of these kind of uh, lower division teams starting up is uh, on the top of their uh, pros and cons list or their why not invest in soccer, they just say, look at Detroit. <laughs> and then number two is look at Chattanooga and like, you know, have kind of no clue or they don't really look in uh, how long it took them to become successful teams and stuff and they're trying to recreate it twice. But, um, you know. We'll, we'll see if Philadelphia can get the investors and bounce back and come back in for the fall season. You know, it's completely doable. So uh, I want the East to be strong. I want as many teams as possible in. I think, uh, what was it, the newest addition is the Michigan Stars FC. I believe so, yes. Detroit is pretty familiar with, and uh, I think the NGS had a couple of nice words for on Twitter, but... <laughs> <laughs> you don't say. Yeah, more power to them. <laughs> Yeah, that I think that's actually a great development for Nisa having a, a local derby like that. Um, you would imagine here, um, you know, kind of a southeastern derby between Miami and Atlanta that would that would kindle some interest, or you know, maybe another Florida team comes in at some point. Who knows? Um, there has been talk bandied about about that, but um, anytime you Come can on, develop Lakeland those tropics, ty- yeah, we're, we're looking at you, Lakeland. Um, so yeah, anytime you can develop those those natural rivalries or incorporate rivalries that have already existed and just fold them into your your league structure. I mean, you know, Van, uh, Vancouver. I'm sorry, Seattle and Portland. Um, Vancouver's in there too. Yeah, sure. Uh, but you know, Seattle and Portland. That wasn't a major league soccer rivalry. <laughs> that was just a soccer rivalry that traveled to major league soccer. You know, anytime you can get those those really organic rivalries. Uh, in your league that's a big win yeah definitely and hopefully in miami you know united makes the jump or uh maybe we can get jacksonville in the mix or there's there's tons of teams and talent in florida so uh, i'm sure within the next maybe year two or three we'll get another florida team in nisa well hopefully the, yes not- the, the one thing in nisa that surprised me <laughs> out of all these teams with two points oakland roots I really thought they were going to be the West Coast Miami. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's they they have a lot of good things going for them uh, in terms of their branding, and it appear their front office, uh, you know, are, are doing a lot of the things that you would want to see uh, in order to you know kind of get things up and running. But um, yeah, two draws and a loss to nineteen oh four FC, a four three barn burner um, last last Saturday. Um, you know, it's entertaining. Um, and you know, losing that on the road, you lose, you lose on the road. That happens, but um, but yeah, you know, they're they're gonna want to start accumulating some points at some point. It, you know, that 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 West Coast Cal United Strikers, um, they've they've been off to a pretty good start, although they lost to 1904 FC in their opener. Um, after that, they've kind of you know uh, got together a little bit more of a run. It does look like uh, Cal United uh, could be a force to reckon with out there. Um, who knows? We're you know it's we've 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 still got a lot of games out in front of us. We're about halfway through this uh, showcase, but everything is generally still pretty bunched up. Uh, you know, out west c- could go either way. East coast, you do kind of figure. Uh, you know, with with Philly being out of it and with Atlanta, uh, you know, d- struggling against uh, Stumptown and Miami beating Stumptown twice. That you've kind of got a pecking order here. You have an understanding of who's in second, who's in, uh, you know, who's in third, and who's in first. Yeah, it's like kind of in the East. It's kind of like one of those things where you could just bet the table. Like 
the hacky yeah. sports thing and you make the formula well this team beat this team twice by these amount of points but it really seems to almost play out so <laughs> yeah it seems the more predictable where the west i mean everything is still very tight which is good for the teams you know it's it's they're what we were talking about earlier is the the quality of uh high level competition and it looks like they're full force going in at it over there yeah and and when you get this fully national competition going in the spring and when you bring in the the clubs that are uh, you know to borrow the phrase i used earlier getting their ducks in a row uh this fall getting ready for next spring uh i think it's gonna be really fun to see that these different clubs you know different styles different front office you know strategies all kind of bouncing up against one another i'm i'm very excited for it and you know obviously we have a vested interest in it in, in Nisa succeeding because we want lower level soccer to succeed in this country and we we want our, our, our local club that's involved in the competition to do well um, but yeah it's just it would be really cool if this this thing could you know stitch together Oakland Chattanooga Detroit Miami FC all, all these different clubs coming together these these big names in lower level soccer being able to come together and compete against one another it would offer a pretty nice alternative to what's being offered not that there's anything wrong with mls or usl and i know lee is listening to this and his head is popping off right now as i say <laughs> that there's nothing wrong with usl or mls in terms of someone enjoying watching them it's soccer we all love soccer i watch mls i watch usl um but you know let some people say less is more with soccer i think more is more give me more i want to see more i want more cities and towns i want more supporters groups i want more fans engaged and involved and i think that that's good for everyone yeah for sure uh so i think we've bounced around every possible scenario anisa do you want to bring it back to miami with a little uh maybe women's news sure a little local flair uh relatively breaking news uh this afternoon miami united um put out uh an interesting uh announcement uh interesting for two reasons first off because they are the first local men's club i feel of of their statue of their stature i should say they're not a statue of their stature to come out with this announcement and second because they had undertaken this before a few years ago yeah uh, but they did they did announce that they would be launching a, a miami united women's team um uh, shared on uh, their social media accounts um there would be local tryouts held during November. There'd be an A team and a B team to compete at, uh, training would be at Melander Park. Uh, competition uh, still TBD. Um, the location of competition would be TBD. It's likely that they would compete in the UPSL's new uh, women's division. Um, Drew, it, uh, you know, a, another... Uh, local women's side fc surge has really monopolized uh the field uh, the last few years in terms of offering women's soccer in dade county um another entrant into the the field of play what do you think i i think it's a good option and the other thing is too since i feel i mean it's not a hundred percent but basically the roster is a hundred percent of fc surge's current college players uh Maybe a lot are on scholarship, but there's a lot of talent. So this gives maybe some of the people that don't have scholarships or are kind of out of college and don't really have the connections uh, kind of another opportunity and route to go. Because uh, I think uh, WPSL is kind of the equivalent of the PDL or USL League 2 to uh, the college system where it kind of works around with the college system. 
So this is another great opportunity to get uh, women who are serious about soccer playing again. Uh, I think you mentioned it before. They, they, they did used to have a team, uh, I believe it was maybe three or four years ago, but I don't think there was a good competitive league around to keep it afloat. So uh, now that the UPSL has a women's division in kind of South Florida or just Florida period, uh, we'll see what kind of uh, skill they can bring out. And just knowing that it's United, I, I guarantee it'll be a great team. But uh, it's it's good to see the UPSL kind of uh, reach out into these other things. You know, they they implemented ProRel in South Florida. Now they have the Women's League. So uh, they're definitely a league on the move out in South Florida and beyond. Yeah, I mean, it's it's cool to take a chance. You know what I mean? It's cool to... to Take a shot at something. The easy thing would be just to line up and send, you know, you got a your A squad and your, you know, whatever youth development you have, and just roll with that. But um, you know, uh, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Um, it's it's a it's a roll of the dice. But there is an appetite for women's soccer in this country. If you look at the NWSL, uh, you know, there is always a bump after the Women's World Cup, especially when we do well. But, um, you know, it would appear that the bump has stuck a little bit more uh, than in, in World Cup cycles past. And you would hope that that would kind of trickle down to um, the, the women's game in lower divisions. Uh, I, I think to the detriment of, of some of the local clubs down here, um, there, have, there have not been the, the efforts into expanding women's soccer um, that I would have liked to have seen. Um, I think, uh, you know, Miami FC uh, has made, you know, outreach to FC Surge, and and, and there there have there has been some support there from the club. Um, it'd be cool to see more of that. Um, Inter-Miami, we spoke to Jorge Mas earlier this year. Um, basically, his, his answer was the NWSL is not doing very well, and so we don't want to commit ourselves to something that is not doing very well, <laughs> which I thought was uh, not not the best answer to be quite candid about it businessman response um, it, it was a very business-like response and 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 jorge mas's discussion this whole time is is about a kind of a love of soccer and, and, and a love of community and i feel like particularly with the women's game the problem has been a business mindset uh for too long and not understanding that there is a, a, such a tremendous opportunity for growth if there is the patience uh, and the time committed to it. They're, the problem is that sponsors often don't have time, um, which is understandable. Business is business. But um, to, to see a, a business leader like that fully throw support behind the idea of a women's team and not just women's youth development. We've got plenty of women's youth development in the United States. That's clearly not a problem. Check the tape. World Cup 2015, World Cup 2019. Boom. We can, we, we can develop the talent. It's getting them paid. Um, and it's that's not just a you know pay the players you know now you, you know uh, U.S. soccer that's also creating the structure for a professional league, um, which has oftentimes been half-hearted. You know the NWSL by far being by far the most successful venture thus far. Um, well, but and if you think about it too, Lauderdale would be the perfect place to play if they kept when they moved to Miami if they moved to Miami all that junk, but. If they're in a smaller 20,000-seat stadium, you know, I, I feel like that would be an easier location and more cost-effective location, no? And I feel like that would be a much better sell to the soccer community of Broward than, than the reserve side. Yeah. To be quite, to be quite honest, I, I thought when I heard that 
the first thing I thought when I heard of Lockhart redevelopment is, oh yeah, you put the the men's team in Miami, you put the women's team in Broward, everyone wins. Like that, you you put a first first tier women's team in Broward County, you give them that stadium that's their home, you put the men's team in you know Miami Freedom Park Stadium, whatever it would be called. And, and everyone gets something to really throw their weight behind. And it also actually heart starts to, to stitch the communities together more than they are now because right now they are not. And, the, and there is all indications that Inter-Miami is fine with that. They feel like they can, with their, their size and with their star power, that they can overcome that hurdle. But I do think it would be better for everyone involved if those two kind of, I don't want to say warring factions, that's too strong, but if those two sides could kind of be brought together a bit, that would be ideal, and, and a women's team could be the perfect place for that. Now, we could be talking in two years from now and, and talking about inner-Miami women playing in that stadium and everyone's hunky-dory. Who knows? My The indications that we have had, you know, this is not, you know, off-the-record sourcing. This is we sat down, you can watch the videotape, skip to it with about 10, 15 minutes Check left. Check the game tape. Check the tape. Uh, it's available on YouTube, and you can hear us. That was one of the questions we asked uh, Mr. Moss, and uh, the my immediate reaction was, oh, this is not a very supportive ownership group to women's soccer, it doesn't sound like. You know, youth development, yes, but besides that, no. And again, as I said, youth development has never been the problem um, for women's soccer. So who knows? Um, anytime we get more soccer in Miami, you know, we send up a flare and, and you know, wave a flag because that's very good news. So good on Miami United. We'll see how that project develops, and, and we'll see if other uh, men's programs have decide to throw their hat in the ring and uh, see if there's further competition. That would be good for everyone involved. Uh, we mentioned Inter-Miami. Um, Real quick, and, I, I was going to say, uh, Jorge oh, yes, Moss or anybody from that front office, if you need some consulting, you know where to find us. Uh, I don't know about the other guys, but I do work for merchandise. <laughs> and then also, to whatever you said earlier about the USL that got Lee riled up, he just uh, ended that with a smile after you kind of uh, negatively <laughs> yes. viewed yeah. the, the inter-Miami <laughs> with their women. So uh, we're equalized yes. now. Hey, we have always said here, we are we are equal opportunity criticizers and equal opportunity praisers. If we think you deserve it, you get it. And if we think you deserve it, you get it. Um, I think, I, you know, uh, we have different opinions and, and we all get to coexist together in our uh, lovely little podcast, our lovely little WhatsApp group. You know, we get to talk about all those things. So, um, so yeah. Um, the, the other thing I did want to mention as related to Inter-Miami is um, a signing, and there have there have actually been signings, you know, this uh, this summer heading into the fall as we are now. But there's a, a signing that is a little bit different from the others, and it's of 19 year old George Acosta. Uh, now George has played for the 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 U.S. youth program. Uh, he's a product of Weston, as many uh, uh, soccer players for the U.S. national team have been. Uh, spent some time with Boca Juniors in their academy, and made his professional debut. Earlier this month, uh, for Austin Bold FC, an interesting note. If you follow us on Twitter, you know about this already. But he made his professional debut subbing on for former Miami FC man Chris Terpak. Um So it's there's always a Miami connection, yeah, even if you one. don't see it yet. It's the second What's one. That? Second, yeah, second Miami connection. It's a double Miami connection. So. 
I I, I took a, a little bit more joy and interest in, in that signing, I have to admit, compared to some of the others. And, and there's every reason to believe that the signings that have been made so far um, have been youth-oriented, have been forward-thinking by Paul McDonough, uh, and you know, with with an eye on South America, but it's always cool to see a local kid get a shot with the local club, even if that local club hasn't actually kicked off a ball yet to compete. I'm sure that Georgia Costa and his family have to be ecstatic. Yeah, I, I won't lie. Uh, when I first saw this signing <laughs> that he's playing for the Austin Bold, my immediate reaction was, "Oh, we already spent all our money on DP players, and we're picking up USL players." <laughs> <laughs> but, but. Then I looked into it. He's only 19, a midfielder from Miami. Uh, you know, there's 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 not much information on him, but the fact that he's a young 19-year-old player, uh, spent some time with Boca Juniors, uh, United States national team, under 17, under 20, uh, already is in the USL. Uh, pretty pretty promising guy. Whoever did their scouting, you know, really puts them in on this one. But uh, yeah, at the first, when I first saw USL championship player, I was like, wow. <laughs> payroll's <laughs> over huh <laughs> yeah and it's like no 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 check the age yeah he's yeah. coming in not coming out <laughs> so uh yeah no for for sure and you know this this is the mo of paul mcdonough is is developing that youth talent and of course there is almost assuredly going to be that big name or those two big names that drop eventually um but it is cool to see the rest of the team uh, being filled in the speaking of the other possible big names uh there was one rumor that really came out of left field um since we last recorded and you know we've heard the the messi the suarez uh you know uh cavani uh you know the, these names that have dropped before uh M. Banega, I believe was mentioned but um, about a week after we recorded last, or I guess last week would be the easiest way to say it, um, Tony Evans, who's a pretty reputable journalist uh, at, at uh, The Independent um, in England, um, mentioned that David Silva might be a player that uh, Inter-Miami make a move for. And in fact, the headline reads, Exclusive David Silva set to join David Beckham's Inter-Miami, which is you know much more definitive than we've heard from pretty much any of these other rumors. You know, the rumors are Beckham is talked to Messi or, you know, Jorge Mas flies to Barcelona with Beckham to speak to Suarez. And, you know, uh, not to say innuendo, but a little bit of connecting some dots. This was very definitive from a journalist who's generally considered pretty uh, on the up and up. And, you know, everyone knows European soccer journalism is not necessarily always set in stone. Yeah, but, especially with transfers, transfers and signings. Yes, <laughs> uh, yeah. And especially when we're not in the window at all. <laughs> yeah. So take all this with enormous grains of salt. Um, it would be a high-profile player. It would be a championship player. Uh, and I don't mean English championship. I mean, like, player that has won titles. Um, it, it would be a player that would probably fit the mold of what Inter-Miami is looking for. Um, what do you think, Drew? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> here we go. Uh, he's 33, so he's approaching the right age. Mm-hmm. Uh, MLS has a recent history of signing players named David, so that's yes. going for him. Uh, no, I, I, the fact that he played, you know, he's got experience at uh, Valencia and Manchester City and the Spanish national team, so you kind of have a trifecta of people that would kind of be interested in for marketing, and 
uh, it makes sense and to have kind of a, an experienced midfielder to go along with all these young 19-year-old players. Uh, uh, you know, he can if he's on board, you know, you'd think he'd really whip those guys into shape because I think you're going to need an experienced veteran out there. Um, and I think he would be a great guy. But, uh, you know, as everything, we just have to wait and see what happens because, you know, like you said, the, the transfer windows and signings and everything is just – uh, the most ridiculous thing ever, but uh, this this one, you know, kind of is more in the kind of more in the mold and a little bit more believable than some of the other ones. Yeah, I would say when when I've looked to see who the big name is going to be um, for this club, I've always had a couple of things in mind, and and David Silva fits a couple of these things and doesn't fit others. So I, I want to run through them. Um, a player that has won things you know not just a big name not someone and i know that omar will curse me for slandering his name but zlatan does not have the biggest profile of winning major titles he's a a tremendous player but i I felt that winning would want to be something that was brought in and kind of understood you know a galaxy can bring zlatan in because they have won things themselves this club has won nothing except you know an election in the city of miami last year um, nothing on the field. So a player that has that has won high-profile things, and when you talk about a player in the Spanish national team from 2008 to 2012, you can't win more than that. Euro, World Cup, Euro. That's pretty darn good. The second thing I looked for, and this is something that none of the players uh, that have currently been kind of bandied about fit in except for Suarez, and even then he comes with his own baggage. But not being Brazilian and not being Argentinian. Because I felt if the club picked a Brazilian or an Argentinian as their first signing, it would alienate the potential Brazilian fans if it was Argentinian, and it would alienate the potential Argentinian fans if it was Brazilian. And being in South Florida, that kind of thing matters. Um, And so this would check that box, that it it would be something that is kind of a a, a compromise, uh, a come-together kind of pick. Um, the thing that, that does uh, make it a little bit curious to me is the fact that when I think of the types of players that would want to come to Miami to be kind of the face of the franchise and, and be the, 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 the guy kind of setting down his position, I did think it would be a player from Central or South America that is from this part of the world that would have family on this part, this side of the world um, and not someone from Europe. But... Uh, Silva has mentioned that he's he plans on leaving Manchester City at the end of this season. Um, so it does open up a possibility in the summer of him coming over and joining the club. Um, he would not be here for the first kickoff unless there's an unexpected transfer in January that, that no one would see coming. Um, it, it's an interesting possibility. It, it is definitely an interesting possibility and something that has not been on the board uh, you know, all these names have kind of been bandied about of, about who it could be. This was not one of them at any point. And the fact that you do have you do have someone coming out and saying that not only is this a possibility, it's a probability, uh, that really grabbed my attention. Yeah, I, I, I think it, it could have some it could have some uh, legs to it. but um, if if the front office ever find themselves needing just to sell one more ticket and want a great player, I got a suggestion. Well, there you go. Boom. The, the, Haitian. The man, the myth, the legend. Haitian from Miami. Uh, <laughs> has played in 
multiple teams in Europe, in Prague and in uh, Germany. Played in the MLS. Is a baller in oh, the MLS. Played in a the, worldly player. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Come on, guys. Just sign Fafa. For, that, I, that'll I be like the be last s- signing. Just, just make me happy. You get some strikers I, fans I, coming too. I wouldn't be surprised, man. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, you know, uh, that that would be interesting. Yeah, what he's had a really interesting career. Uh, a great you know, career such too. A sh- yeah, really, really solid, good career. Yeah, absolutely. You know, two national team appearances. God, that was that was what what a what a what a couple weeks that was. When Fafa was, and if they kept Jurgen in the national side, we would have seen him again. Yes, it's true. He, it's he true. got he got cursed with the uh, hashtag Jurgen boy. <laughs> yes, it, Fabrice Jean Picot. Yeah, man, he played uh, in the Europa League at one point. I think with uh, yes. Sparta Praha. Welcome to the the Picol cast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm Matthew Punch. Uh, we're gonna yeah, call no, in some would... uh, Chris Morazzo and some of the Tailgate Show guys. To, we're just gonna faff the next hour. We, we we gotta we have to just one day uh, sit down and and do like a podcast draft of like who are the players that Inter Miami should have, like the South Florida guys that are still playing that have those connections to the Strikers or Miami FC. That like really kind of embody like the 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 concept of like the the fan guys, you know, the guys with, that fans with also just the follow. skill level of playing in, in MLS. Yes, yeah. yes, players that can that could play in MLS. Okay, Matt, know? it's time to pitch out the Twitter handle. To oh to, oh at Magic City Soccer. Yeah, yeah Tweet us, man. Let's start making a list. <laughs> yeah. So if you got suggestions for our all Miami MLS team. The guys that really just kind of represent, like, you know, guys who should be playing in MLS in Miami. Um, like, very much on the nose and very much not in the same spirit as Fafa, but I feel like Nick Ramondo has to be the keeper. Like, the, uh, to, to me, like, the, the, the guy that played with the Fusion almost made it to the Inter-Miami <laughs> coming back. You know, like he, I feel like they need to sign him to like a 10-day contract or something. Oh, yeah, just yeah. Just put him in for a game. Like, w- like have a game where they get up 3-0, sub him on, and let him play a game, and then retire that day. I feel like that would be cool. I think in this uh, podcast alone, we've kind of uh, given uh, Inter-Miami like 18 things that they should do that we should have gotten paid to tell them. <laughs> yeah, you know, this is, this is ultimately a charity first and foremost, a soccer charity. For South when these things start happening, we're lawyering up. Yes, it's all on tape. Check the tapes. Check the tapes. Check the tapes. Um, so uh, we have covered Miami FC, Miami United. Uh, we did, did your NISA recap. We've covered Inter-Miami. We've got a couple little tidbits before we sign off uh, for the night or the day whenever you're listening. Uh, Abby Wambach coming to UM. Uh, we had that information on the, up on the blog a couple nights ago. Uh, that's pretty cool for the students at UM. Um, call, calling in any favors, anyone that, uh, you know, can, uh, it's a students only event, but I'm a former student and remain a student at heart. Uh, so we'd love to be able to go in and cover that. We're, we're going to do all we can to, to, to do that. Um, pretty cool. Brush, uh, brush off Ellis. that old cane card or whatever their IDs yeah, are. Yeah, I still have it. <laughs> I still have it. I still know my C number. Um, you know, uh, I, I think I could pass if I like. You know, I, I don't even know. Um, get Botox or something, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Too too many wrinkles. There's a couple places time. near the campus that can do that. If you've seen the yes. Screwball movie. 
I feel like a couple HGH treatments, I should be good to go. Is Tony Bosch out of jail? <laughs> yeah, right? Um, <laughs> man. Um, Miami. Gotta love it. Um, uh, Jill Ellis, uh, uh, the Palmetto Bay resident. I always say she's from Pinecrest, and I believe she actually lives in Palmetto Bay. Um, we, we're approaching the end of that era um, for women's soccer um, here in the, the country. Um, a, a, a tremendous run. Um, I always joke about this on Twitter. Uh, the, the worst coach ever to win two World Cup championships. Oh, yeah. she, she gets uh, constantly killed. getting a blowback and criticism for certain decisions she's made. But the uh, you cannot argue with the results, Drew. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, I yeah. Everybody, I I think one of the main issues with that, and I don't want to get too much into it, is that there's so much talent on the team and specific people like specific players. And then when they don't get starts or whatever, everybody goes apeshit. But then the USA ends up just winning every game anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, it's it's like it's oh, why you know it's it's one of those team selection debates where you're like, all right, but if they win, like ultimately, didn't the coach make the right decision? It's kind of a, a an impossible job, and and especially whoever comes into this job now is going to have it even worse um, because they are following two World Cup titles. Um, but pe- people forget that th- this, uh, you know, this country went, what was it, 20 years, uh, 15 years without winning a World Cup between 99 and 2015. So even though like, the U.S. has had tremendous soccer talent forever in the women's game, uh, you know, with the advantage that we've had with Title IX, um, it's it was not a fait accompli. It was not a done deal. And and Jill Ellis, you know, took this team to a World Cup final. Uh, I mean, to, to World Cup final, won it in 2015, and then did the same thing again and won it again in 2019 when all anyone could say was how much better the level of competition got and Japan was a you know rising power and Europe was finally getting their act together and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And what does she do? She goes and wins it in, in, in dominant fashion again. And, and yes, you could want this player versus that player. But if people that were criticizing the, the, you know, the roster selections had gotten the way we wanted, maybe we would have never seen Rose Lavelle get, get the, ta- the time, the play she did in the games that mattered. And in, instead, we have this young player who's now ready to step in and, and take over what, you know, whatever role she's being asked to step into. It seems like, she, you know, she can do it all. Um yeah, I, I think she will be sorely missed. Um, I, I'm sure that someone will come into that job and do a fine job because, as we've said, ultimately, yeah, bring Jurgen in. Um, ultimately, the talent is there and the expectations will remain there. And if the next person is not going to get a let off thinking, oh, you know, well, you know, if it's a new regime, they're going to take some time to adjust. Hell no. It's going to be, you You get one draw in any one of these friendlies or in the, God forbid, in the Olympics, it's, it's the you know, hellfire is going to rain down on you. I, and and Jill Ellis got it even though she won. And so the, the expectations, I don't think there's a job in American sports that will have higher expectations from the people that care than the person that's replacing Jill Ellis in this job. Yeah, and I, I wish the U.S. fans just kind of held anywhere close to a similar standard for the men's coach. Because every game there's some oh, stupid justification of why they drew this team or why this happened or why this friendly. And, you know, I think we're just used to everybody being fired or replaced every six months or a year now. And it's like, all right, so then when they don't qualify for the next World Cup, it's going to say, well, okay, but... 
we're in a rebuilding phase and those were Klinsman guys, but those were Arenas guys, or those are whoever the hell the coach is now guys, and there's just going to be a lot of stupid finger pointing, and you know, it's, they're just going to go with the flow, where you know, once once the women won that first World Cup, they kind of set the standard, and then the the two after, it's just like, alright, just, just give them praise. It's, it's really funny you mention that, because when you look at the, and it's a bit of a chicken or egg argument here, I understand, but when you look at the women's program, there has been nothing but stability for years. You know, coaches have left almost always on their own terms. Um, and, and that has to do with the success, obviously. But again, we went years without winning the World Cup. And, you know, it's not like people were, were storming U.S. soccer headquarters to burn it down. But there was an understanding that there was competency in place. And, yes, you might not have won in 2007, but you, you, you keep on with the program. Keep on with what you've got because you can see the talent there. U.S. soccer on the men's side has never been like that, really. I mean, except maybe the first, uh, you know, term with Bruce Arena. Um, there has always been this kind of weird, like, hot seat that coaches have entered. And now we're just in this churn where it doesn't seem like anyone can hold down the job. Uh, and, and there is no pathway to long-term success. You know, maybe now we, we, we do have, uh, you know, a, a management direction that is more inclined to stability, but... We'll, we'll have to wait and see, and we'll have to wait and see if, the, now that we finally settled on stability, if this is the right path to go down or not. There's just so many questions that remain with the men's program. Yeah, and the only thing and, we've had consistent is we've been stuck with Michael Bradley. Yes. <laughs> yes, and and I, I, I'm not one to dump on Michael Bradley, but... Uh, yeah, it, it's it's been we've been stuck in a very mediocre place for five years now, and there's really no reason to believe besides Pulisic magic that is going to change. And was oh, that the bench player for Chelsea? Yeah, oh. I know. Oh. Yeah, this is. It, and on that, I, let's wrap I it up. Remember, <laughs> no, our old man punch is here to say I remember when American players could go into the Premier League and find playing time and success. And th- these were the old days, but now every American player that goes to your uh, to goes to England, it seems like they just they can't get on the field. It's infuriating. Uh, it seems like Germany is really the place for American players, but that's a whole other discussion. Um, anyway, uh, Drew, I think that's that. Anything else I'm, I'm missing out on or leaving out? Uh, just in honor of Lee, I'll run down the UPSL Southeast Conference Division One table. Oh, please do. Okay, so most of these play, uh, most of these teams are four games in. Surprisingly, leading the conference is Red Force FC. <laughs> where uh, so they're they're four games in with ten points. Soccer Soldiers, uh, favorite. Uh, they are three games in with seven points, followed by Miami Sun, Hurricane FC, Palm Beach Spartans. Only have three points off four games and a minus thirteen goal differential. After them is kind of last year's breakout team that we really enjoyed uh, at Magic City is uh, PSL United, Port St. Lucie United. Yes. And another surprise, Boca Raton FC, four games, four losses, minus 12 goal differential. The uh, the Ocho Cinco has left the building. Yeah, that's a, that's a rough start for Boca. Uh, you would not expect to see that. But Red Force getting out to the good start, you know, we're, we've – been longtime fans of them. They've been long time, uh, a longtime presence in, in in Dade County for soccer and, and soccer soldiers are on on pace on terms. You know, one game in hand. 
uh, that's going to be a fun race here. It always seems to be a fun race. There's always some wrinkle that comes up in UPSL that always makes it fun to watch down to the end. Yeah, and I think last year there were a lot of uh, outside factors. Well, not outside factors, but the the fact that they had Ocho Cinco kind of really helped the exposure of the the league and some of the Florida teams. Yes. And then not only that, but then the the uh, Soccer Soldiers uh, U.S. Open Cup run. So there was a couple different things that really uh, that really got the attention. Um, I forgot about this, but it is important and relevant to everything uh, for the U.S. Open Cup. I didn't think we spoke about that last time, but the Miami United FC under-23 team beat Atletico Miami 7-3, and yes. I think that was the only Florida game, no? You're testing my memory, oh, yeah. and that's usually a test I fail. <laughs> oh, uh, Hurricane FC, they're also yes, in the division. Yeah, yeah. They won in penalty kicks against the International Soccer Association. So that's pretty. That's that pretty impressive. impressive. They beat an entire yeah. international soccer association. I only assume the, like the association. Yeah, I only assume that team. like Lionel Messi was eligible for that team. Luis Suarez, of uh, you know, Thomas Mueller, any 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 other yeah. player could have played a, for the international. A real soccer super friends of uh, of a soccer team. Yeah. Yeah, good for them. Keep an eye out on them. They, they're probably going to qualify, one would think. Yeah, and uh, the other one, ooh, yeah, this is the one that uh, soccer soldiers did beat the Red Force. So soccer soldiers are uh, on their way to cruise into another um, uh, Open Cup run. The Soccer Soldiers will have to go through Miami United's under-23 team in the next round on October 20th. Uh, that is in Miramar, and I think that'll be a, probably one of the better games in the Open qualifying. Yeah, tasty matchup. That should be pretty pretty tasty. Um yeah, the pretty solid open round up there, uh, Drew. Thank you very much. Uh, that's, I think that's as good a place as any for us to uh, to bring this in for a landing tonight. Uh, as always, Drew Houseman, where can people find you on social media? Uh, I only have Twitter because I'm a loser, but it's at Houseman LOL. At Houseman LOL H O U S M A N. No E. I am at no E. No E. Uh, I am at Matthew S Bunch M A T T H E W S. B-U-N-C-H. Uh, and you can find us at Magic City Soccer on Twitter. Uh, you can search for us, Magic City Soccer, on Facebook. Uh, you can go at Magic City Sock, S-O-C, on Instagram, uh, where our good friend Leonie Fens has done a lot of uh, good Instagram material. And Abel, Abel Yadola is jumping on there occasionally, too. I am bad at Instagram. Like Drew, I have retreated to the, uh, the friendly confines of Twitter. That's usually where you can just find me. Um sharing all kinds of stuff um yeah so do check us out also our website magiccity.soccer had a bit of a down period there in the summer um as we were focusing on our uh, lovely broadcast uh with miami fc and just some other stuff it's summertime people get busy um but you can go magiccity.soccer you can also hear uh, myself and lee fans on the miami fc broadcast network uh you can check that out on uh my kuju or you can visit MiamiFC.com. Uh, the next home match is coming up this weekend, um, October 6th, 7 p.m., Atlanta SC visiting Miami for the first time, 7 p.m. kickoff at Barry University. Uh, you can buy tickets for that at MiamiFC.com, or as I said, if you're out of town, can't make it to Buccaneer Field on the campus of Barry University, you can watch us on MyKuju or at MiamiFC.com, or we'll be sharing it on our 
social media as well. Um, Drew, as always, thank you very much, sir. Thank you, sir. And if you want to troll Atlanta fans, I believe our Kings of the South t-shirts are still available on magiccity.sock. That, my friends, is what we call a good piece of business. Magiccity.soccer. Yeah. In fact, I'll I'll tweet a link to the Kings of the South shirt, a a fond memory of uh, the 2017 Open Cup run that uh, Miami FC engineered, including a famous victory uh, against Atlanta United at uh, Ricardo Silva Stadium. Uh, so do check that out. And uh, Drew, again, thank you. Thank you, sir. Um, until next time, he has been Drew Hausman. I have been Matthew Bunch, and this has been Miami. This is – we are in Miami. <laughs> I'm stuttering. We have hit the one-hour mark, and I am officially falling apart. He's Drew Hausman. I'm Matthew Bunch. This has been Magic City Soccer, your home for everything you need to know about soccer in Miami. Until next time, go Miami FC, go Miami United, go Inter Miami. Uh, go women's soccer in general, go the U.S. women's national team, and go Miami soccer. Man, that's a lot of stuff.